Clay, are you a big fan of Top Chef, the cooking competition challenge that's been going on for 57 seasons and stars the guest star of this episode of Star Trek Enterprise? Nope. We'll be back after this break. <laughs> we're going to play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we're going to break down precious cargo. Feels like we've gone to warp. Explain yourself. What do you know about my abductors? We thought they were cargo pilots. They claimed you were their passenger. I am their prisoner. I was returning from a diplomatic mission when they attacked my transport, murdered my guards. Right, so Precious Cargo is the 11th episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on December 11th, 2002. Teleplay goes to David A. Goodman. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, directed by David Livingston. In-universe date is September 12th, 2152. In this episode, after Enterprise rescues a pair of aliens with a mysterious cargo, Trip finds himself in a major predicament after he accidentally opens said cargo, which is what happens in this episode. This is written by David Goodman, who I believe came over from Futurama to Enterprise at this point. Uh, and I'll throw it to you with this. We, we generally come into episodes like this where um, this is one where I kind of have to feel I'm obligated to say that this always makes a top 10 worst episodes of Star Trek list. Mm. Always. It's like reliably hated. Uh, people really don't like this episode. It gets a lot of shellacking. People make fun of it. Um. I think I'll have to defend it, Semi. I I think this is I think this is a tremendously average episode of of Star Trek Enterprise that's almost completely torpedoed by a terrible guest star performance. Like that's the main takeaway from it. But I think that I think if uh, Padma Lachmi's performance was better, I don't know if I, anyone would really talk about this episode. But I that, that's it for me. But I have more to say about it. But I'm I don't think this one ever really deserves to be hated the way that it is. Admittedly, it's not a good episode. What say you? Who doesn't love sexy Darmok? Yeah. That's basically what the beginning of this episode is. I, um, <clears throat> Well, the first thing I thought watching this was everybody who uh, complains that modern Star Trek is too much like Star Wars has clearly never seen this episode because this is essentially the uh, subplot of Star Wars done in an hour. The Han and um, Leia subplot. Yeah. Mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know if a better performance could have saved it. It might have helped. But uh, between <laughs> zero chemistry between your two leads, yeah. every single possible cliche they could possibly... It was basic, It was closer... It was almost like I was watching Spaceballs, the mm -hmm. way that they were going at each other. I, I expected um, Bacula to turn to the camera and say, funny, she doesn't look Druish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's every single cliche in the book as far as the uh love them and then you or hate them and then you love them romance plot and then uh, this secondary weird plot where archer and topal threaten the guy with a court martial and execution to figure out how to <laughs> find the ship <laughs> like uh, of uh, where on the list of Starfleet regulations is fool them into thinking you're going to execute them? He's, he's right. He's writing the book as it as it comes out. I, I guess so. Yeah. Did you um? Would you say this is a terrible episode? Would you be like this is this is a pretty awful episode of Star Trek? Like I feel that the episode we had that three episode stretch before this, just about five episodes ago, where I think mm -hmm. all those episodes are worse than Precious Cargo is. Yes. 
I would say those are worse episodes of television. I think this is a terrible episode of Star Trek. So here's what I here's what I think is going on with this episode, and I might have my facts wrong, but I'm going to stick with it. I didn't have a chance to look it up. I'm pretty sure Goodman came from Futurama at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense, timeline-wise. This episode, to me, feels like a Futurama writer trying to adapt to how a Star Trek episode should be written while still kind mm-hmm. of bringing a Futurama sensibility to it. And what, mm. what I think that, what I think that this, what I think he wants this episode to be is a real almost parody of a Disney princess who's kind of a dick to the person who finds her in Star Trek. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's very much like feels like Aladdin or something. Yeah. So she's yeah. even the way she's dressed and the way that she talks, she feels like she should be a, um, a weird parody of a nice girl Disney princess that Trip is kind of stuck with, and it's going to pair his old boy Southern Florida charms against this regal pain-in-the-ass character who only talks in a very comically over-the-top, um, I said matriarchal, but a, like monarchal way, like a, a very queenly, stately. Um, and, and I think that the comedy also goes into the weird Archer subplot where I think that's supposed to be a funny plot, obviously, but what Braga and everyone have said from that oral history is just that people have a hard time writing for Star Trek. They would find great writers who had written great things. They would bring them in and they just couldn't get the tone right in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. They couldn't write the characters the way they wanted. The characters would not talk the way that they wanted. Um, They had some small story about a One writer came in and he had to write a... um, an auctioneer in Star Trek, but he wrote him as if he was a real auctioneer. And when it came out, people were like, this isn't how Star Trek, the one over here, this over here, it's like, that doesn't, that's not how Star Trek sounds. This to me well, sounds first like- first question. Go ahead. Why was there an auctioneer in Star Trek? There's, there's a later episode that we'll get to that, that <laughs> okay. handles this. But they, the, the initial draft of the writing was not how Star Trek characters talk. And I guess sure, it's a very difficult sure. thing for a lot of people to write like Star Trek characters are supposed to sound. That to me feels like this. It feels like a writer coming over from another show trying to get his tone into an episode of Enterprise. And I know Braga rewrote this one, which is probably another thing that that goes over it. But I think there's a funniness in this that's really smothered by how unfunny Star Trek has to be. You know what I mean? I, I think there's yeah. comedy here that they stripped it out completely and you're left with just the bare bones of what happens in it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... <laughs> The the but the comedy they're doing is just so hack. Mm-hmm. It's just you know like I, as you were saying that I was like this works for me, and maybe this was may I don't know maybe maybe this was part of the uh, the rewrite that they stripped this out. This wor- I I think I would love this episode if the princess was like a very inhuman squid monster or something that mm-hmm. Trip ends up having the same relationship with and falling in love with the exact same way. <laughs> Someone with like lots of prosthetics and weird shit like someone who's not conventionally gorgeous yeah um well it's kind of funny it plays off the if she or if she's hideously ugly you know it plays into this sort of comedy of this is the way that stories like this have to go where they fall in love Mm -hmm. by the end of it but she she's just a mean horrible person to him and through this adventure they fall in love there's there's almost a satire to that but they they don't do that they pair they obviously bring in one of the most beautiful women in the world to play the role and she can't act and it all sort of torpedoes itself at that point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I would be interested to read the original script and see how different it was. Because, 
yeah, if you made a, some substantial changes, maybe this doesn't fall as flat, but I don't know. It's pretty pretty stock to me. Um, Very stock to me, I, which I yeah. guess is my point. This feels, to me, it just feels like an Enterprise episode. I don't think there's anything sure. that's really catastrophically different from it. I feel like it, it kind of, it coasts along under what it considers to be its own charms. It has a minor little struggle, a little bit of a side plot that's going on. It's someone looking for people. There's kind of a tangentially unrelated ending that ties everything all together and then they go off on another adventure and they meet somebody that they're unfamiliar with it feels it feels pretty standard for an enterprise episode yeah not in a way that uh marauders and things like that just felt so generic that it was like upsetting or annoying this one this one isn't it just it just feels like the pro- the production here is is really bad and yeah her performance well, can't be overstated how, how bad her performance is Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, it's not, it is not good. Um, but it's like, uh, I, I was getting, I was getting flashbacks. I think we've talked about this before, but every now and then you can see, you watch a scene and you can like, you can really see that, that one person is not pulling the weight that the other person is. (laughs) That's that's called precious cargo. Every, every scene with Trip and her. Yeah. Yeah. My, my go-to is always Batman begins any scene between Katie Holmes and Christian Bale is just like you're watching two different movies. And that's not to say Katie Holmes is ex- explicitly a terrible actress, but in that movie, she was not good mm-hmm. compared to Christian Bale, who is one of the best actors in the world. Yeah. Um, this has that same feeling on like a high school drama level where you've got like the one kid who's good for school, who's like good for his high school. And the <laughs> they, they cast the daughter the, of the, the principal. Yeah, um, and it's just not working. Um, but on top, aside from that, it's just this doesn't feel like a Star Trek story to me. It's very much like a swashbuckling space opera type story. Yeah. I hesitate to even say space opera because it's not really very interesting, and they spend most of it in a, in a pod. Um, but like th- that sort of relationship uh, thing that they're going for is is very much not a Star Trek thing, and they don't throw enough curveballs at you to make it a Star Trek thing. Like that's why I was saying the thing about having her be like very alien or something. They they don't throw you any curveballs. It's just the most stock version of uh, rescue the princess, r- rescue, yeah, the, rescue the, the princess. difficult princess that you fall in love with over the course of the episode. Yeah, yeah, African Queen or whatever, mm-hmm. Spaceballs or Star Wars, whatever you want to go with. I think there's a TOS um, episode called The Lawn of Troyes, which is very similar to this. Like, Kirk picks up a an alien queen who's really a pain in the ass to him, and I think mm-hmm. eventually he convinces her that, you know, she should just be more accommodating. <laughs> and, but that one's that one's weirder because it's dressed up in, like, 60s sort of gender roles where, mm-hmm. you know, sure. that, it, that kind of makes sense in, a, in the Star Trek world of that time. This one... This one doesn't. What I, what what always strikes me about this is, well, particularly when I watched it this time, I um, I kind of felt, I felt a sort of sympathy and sadness for Connor Turnier in this position, right? Where who's playing Trip? Where, um, imagine like, I I don't know. It, it was like a weird high school like fl- like not personal flashback, but it felt like a very high school thing to me, which reminded me of this this story that you were just saying, but like. He's this, you know, he's an actor working on this sort of franchise show. 
It's not mm-hmm. a huge show. Like people watch it, but it's not, you know, it's not Cheers or whatever. Or not Cheers, but it's not The Wire that is going up against hey, some other big hit. No one's making money off of Cheers conventions. <laughs> that's all I have to say. And and so this supermodel woman is brought in and he has to play naked against her. Like he has to, he has to strip down. He's got to do the acting and carry the work for her. And it's this beautiful woman who comes in and a lot of the shots are they're in that pod. So they're like sitting on each other, like very close. And he's got a, I, I just felt this really male struggle. If he's got to sit there and still do his job of saying the plasma coils have caught on fire while, the, while this woman who obviously doesn't act and doesn't know anything about Star Trek is sitting next to him. And he's, you know, he's got to like do his job, but at the same time be like, I'm, I'm cooler than this. Like this is just what I do for a job. That's the yeah. that's the whole tone I got the entire time. He's just carrying her. She's unfamiliar with it, and he's in this awkward position of having to to, to spit all the sci-fi dialogue at her to make, makes this a Star Trek episode. And it just felt like it must have been a very awkward scene for him. Like this this model comes in, and um, it's a tough job. I think it's a tough ask of him as an actor for this episode. Yeah. Um- I kind of, you know, I was joking about it being sexy Darmok, but I feel like it would have been more successful if they had done that. Like, cause I, like they do the first scene and it's like, cut, cut, cut. Holy shit. <laughs> um, is there any way we could rewrite this so all of her dialogue is in the alien language? <laughs> and then just have Trip do exactly what he's doing, but just have, just have her just say, nonsense the entire time because it'll come off better i think like i think i think it would have i think it would have been better to have that level of disconnect and play that story out like exactly the way it plays out even if it doesn't make any sense it's kind of funnier that way um like you know they don't understand each other but they're still yelling at each other and they end up making out whatever um you know like like the enterprise writing staff (laughs) it's like they're just gonna make out eventually yeah yeah why not and then you know at the at, at the you can have a joke about it at the end when they end up back on the Enterprise and like the Universal Translator is kicked in so he can hear exactly what she's saying and it is not in any way what he thought right. was going on yep. you know you would think Trip at this point would know don't just go around having weird sex with alien women because it's not going to end up end up well for you yeah um, he's really lucking out in that department he's the he's the only yeah. the only cast my, member doing I this forgot stuff. my favorite part about this episode which really threw me was the very opening shot. Where it was the Enterprise flying with that har- him playing the harmonica, <laughs> but when it started off, I was like, "Is this an episode of Roseanne?" <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's another, um, it's another bad Enterprise cold open, which they oh, kind of mastered. Terrible. It's really strange. He's playing the Awful. harmonica, and then a ship comes out out the window, and he looks at it, and Archer's like, uh, "Can you come to the bridge? There's a ship here." And he goes, "Okay," and then, yeah. and then they play the credits. <laughs> It's just no, there's no setup there. Control S. I'm taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> I crushed that cold open. Yeah, the uh, they tried to, they tried to get as much time out of the joke of the Universal Translator not uh, working for Padma. Uh, they, oh, they tried a couple you minutes of that. I have a weird. The, the, I don't know why I noticed it. It's because it's you notice things like this in bad episodes, but the um. The language communication thing was kind of strange in this episode because those aliens come over and they seem to be speaking perfect English because mm. they're they're not using the universal translator or anything. Or if they are, it's just a kind of a function of being there and in, in, in their presence. Then they mm. go back to the ship and the a trip is like, I can't read your writing. 
And the guy's like, oh, that's weird. He's like, do you mind if I get your communicator? Uh, he's like, do you mind if Hoshi comes over here and helps me translate this? Why doesn't he just ask the guy what it says on the thing? <laughs> because they can clearly understand what he's talking about. Well, and, you know, you don't want to impose. It was just to get you know, Hoshi you know, you, in. If you hire a plumber to come over <laughs> and the plumber's like, hey, can you show me how to turn the faucet on and off? It's embarrassing for the plumber. I, I guess it was only just to get Hoshi because that's her only appearance in the episode, I think. She comes yeah, over and says, yeah. hey, Trip, what's going on? And then she leaves right there. Does she not? Does she, I don't remember. Does she hand him like the universal? Tra- like, does she pass the universal translator off to him or something? Oh, does she? But then, if that's the case, know. why why are those guys speaking English? I guess would be the the weird. Like, I, I assume that they were, but there is some reason that he can't understand her at first because he he drops the translator and it breaks or something, and mm. he has to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big question. She's not supposed to be a trill, is she? No, and I only noticed her spots at the end. Were they there the entire time? Yeah, they were, were there the whole time. That was the, I thought I was waiting for the shoe to drop. I thought that she once they could understand, she was going to say, Hi, my name is Queen, something, 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 blah, 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 blah. You could call me Dax. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's a troll. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that up, I think. But um, I only noticed the spots at the very end, uh, unfortunately. It would have been nice if it was a, it was a troll who would have added a little bit of something to it. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't like you need in order to pull this off and have it not just be the most by the book thing you've ever watched in your life. You need like Kirstie Alley or or Goldie Hawn or someone who uh, who has done this before and has that sort of level of built in chemistry that she can uh, manifest with her co-star in order to pull this off. And this is just this just felt like. It felt like a high school play. Do you do you th- so you think that the chemistry is the main issue? Like I, I was well. Just, I mean, it's he says nothing funny. <laughs> it's systemic. I think this <laughs> one. I I just thought that if there was chemistry, right? Like it was a decent actress yeah. who was uh, who had a little bit of chemistry with Tucker. I still, I still feel it's lacking something because oh, I, sure. I guess the way that sure. I'm approaching it is that I just think that it's not funny. Like, it's not funny enough. I think that they're no, trying to be funny, and it's just not working, mostly because... Well, this is, what I, this is what got me wondering about her performance. When they were directing her, were they saying... Were they giving her too much direction to play a kind of snotty princess? You know what I mean? Instead mm. of her just acting as if she was uh, herself in this world who's just kind of a dick to trip, was she trying to act like a real snooty... Pain in the ass princess. And that's why this whole thing is so stilted and strange. Because if they were trying to direct her that way, I think that's where the comedy is supposed to come from. It's supposed to come from sure. that portrayal. But sure. her, she's not a good enough actress to pull that off. And I think that that's what's missing. Like, I, I don't hold the chemistry against them because on some meta level, I almost find it funny that because there's no chemistry, they still follow the trope of just falling in love. And it's like, well, this is a strange thing that happened. Well, that, then, you're, then you're walking into like Tommy Wiseau territory yes. where you're finding you're finding the the highlights of it out of the fact that it's it completely whiffs right um <laughs> like i mean i think the chemistry has to count for something because obviously i mean she her performance is bad but because her performance is bad there's no chemistry between them because it just doesn't work right and on top of that the stuff they're saying is completely unremarkable um it's just by the numbers whatever relationship stuff um yeah, it's just it's a lot of stuff just not clicking whatsoever. And like it's just it's as uh, Mike from Breaking Bad would say, I feel like it's it's an episode of half the measures when they should have gone mm-hmm. the whole way. 
like they have that scene where she gets into the uh the the pod and she can't get in with a long dress so she just tears her dress off and has like a mini skirt for the rest of the episode mm-hmm. you know there's something <clears throat> which is again like in the top five cliche things you do in one of these things right women's women's like flowery uh, not flowery women's like flowing silk dresses are always very difficult to maneuver in. so you, you're better off just tearing the thing off and hopping in there mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. there's a i i kind of feel that they could have had comedy if there was a um maybe trip isn't the character for this but like a reed who's stuck with her and she is you know it's he's very prim and proper and sort of off put by the fact yeah. that she's stripping down through this entire thing for various reasons she's just losing clothing or something like that i'm just if you had yeah if you had flipped the roles that would have been a lot of fun if, uh flip for do you mean reed or do you mean the, i mean like flip flip the dynamic so yeah let's say you put reed in there then you have Reed play the play the princess role essentially, right. and have your princess play the hard nosed, uh, you know, mechanic role. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's missing that one one gear. It, it's missing that yeah. gear that it moves well, into, think, or something propels it forward. I think it it falls in the same category as Marauders, which is just they took that thing, that genre thing, and they just did that thing. Yeah, they made no changes to the formula. They made no attempt to to uh to make it their own in any way it's like it's like the the bar cover band version of 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 a foo fighter song or something mm-hmm. it's just yep they did it they not as good as other people have done it but you yep that's what it is they didn't try to do anything original with it they just uh covered it there was a um brennan braga was on a star trek podcast the other day talking about his memories of first contact um mm-hmm. and they just they asked him about uh, no, I'm, I'm confusing things. So the, the uh, on that podcast, Manny Cotto, who takes over Enterprise in the fourth season, uh, was talking about Enterprise, and he said something interesting. He he was he's like, yeah, when I came on, uh, Brandon was still running the show, and uh, they didn't have a writer's room at that time on Enterprise. What you do is the writers would come up with scripts, and they would meet with Braga in his office, and over the course of the meeting, they would come up with the outline for their episode together. Mm-hmm. And Cotto was just saying. Um, he's never worked like that. He's never thought that it, it was like it never worked for him. So he brought a traditional writer's room. But he was always he was impressed that Braga could hash out an outline uh, just in that meeting with the writer, and that he would come up with something that the writer would go off and and write about. And he he said it was a very like it was really kind of an impressive thing. To me, it actually struck me as that sounds exactly like how Enterprise was written. Is that right? At, yes. at, like someone yeah. came in with an idea, and over the course of an hour. Braga came up with the most generic, okay, this is how we write, this is the outline for this one. Just like boom, 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 do that. Go back and write that episode and they, they would do it. Yeah. He mentioned it as a positive, but I clearly see how that is a hindrance to the writing on this show. It's just so, there's nothing clever about it. He's just trying over the course of an hour to make something for a writer to write about and it's mm. not clever or thoughtful. Yeah. I wonder, um, I don't know if there's ever been a show that's worked this way. Probably not because it seems like a lot of work for the showrunner, but um, in Marvel Comics in the '60s, they uh, Stan Lee and well, mostly Stan Lee and, and the other writers who were working there. It was mostly Stan Lee because he had, his name was on everything. Uh, came up with this style. I think they came up with it, uh, which they called the Marvel Method, where basically uh, you bring Jack Kirby would come into Stan Lee's office and Stan would be like, "Okay, this month in Fantastic Four, I, I want them to fight the Mole Man." I want uh, Reed and Sue to have some relationship problems, 
and then like uh, throw in a little cliffhanger about the next monster that's going to show up in the next issue. All right, go ahead. And then Jack Kirby would go off and he would draw 22 pages of that story. And then he would come back and he'd give Stan the art and Stan looking at the art would then write the, write the story on top of it mm-hmm. right th- with all the dialogue and everything, which is why you get so many uh, arguments over who created what and who the real originators it was. And, you know, Stanley was a hack, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, a, it was a group thing. It, yeah. One couldn't have happened without the other. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's a really interesting way to write something that is an ensemble creation like that because you you come up with the idea give them the basic basic breakdown they go off and they do it and they come back and then you can fine-tune it and uh i think south park might actually work like this based on that um documentary that they did a few years ago yeah where it was five like minutes, they have five a, days to air yeah or whatever where it's like they come up with an idea they write a script and then they give it to uh trey parker is it parker yeah i think yeah. it's parker who does who the, then, the final rewrite yeah um, but that seems more productive than this method you're describing, which is someone brings something in and then you just hammer it into a formula. Yep. And uh, then then that's it. Like you type it into your uh, your ep- enterprise episode algorithm website. Yep. Um, you pick which character you want to be the lead, which one you want to uh, have a disease, and how you want Mayweather to be sidelined. And then it just creates it for you. <laughs> it's just a mad lip. He just has the chart. He's like, well, how, how is he going to be sidelined uh, this time? This yeah. It feels like, well, all the interviews just say he seemed like he was overworked. It's like, well, no kidding. It's, this is like the least efficient way that you can possibly yeah. write these scripts. Like I this. don't know. Like the 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 big disconnect hearing that story to me is that we've talked about previously how it feels like they don't care about this show. Like it's just they're just doing it to do it. There's no passion built in. Yeah. If I was the showrunner and I didn't have any passion for the show, I would want to do as little work as possible right, on that, the show. That that, that <laughs> so story that, actually made me. I I, I don't reg- I I wish I could recall the statement that they don't care. What I think that they're doing is that their work process does not give them uh, the bandwidth to really care. Like right, they, they right. just have to get it done. And it's just a really inefficient process of doing stuff like that. And uh, the show changes in the fourth season and everyone loves the fourth season, but the whole writing process became a room event at that point. And um, it just took it out of one man's hands, really. It's th- mm. And that's the problem. It is, again, just it's the problem with Enterprise. They all feel the same because they are heavily written by Braga, who has no time to really care about any of these scripts. And that, right, that's really right. the problem with Enterprise at this point, I think. And then you've got Rick Berman over there who's like, what if it was a Western? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's that's unfair. I don't know anything about him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He... Uh, he definitely he probably had a hand in the casting of uh, Padma here, I think, would be his Yeah, his like, influence. that's one of those things where I wonder if the original version was, like, uh, Trip and female Zoidberg stuck <laughs> in, a, in a thing, which is hilarious. And then they're like, well, nobody wants to see that. Brandon, can't we get, like, I, you know what? I just saw this movie, had this beautiful Indian woman in it. What if we got her? Mm-hmm. Nice and exotic looking. You know, have her should tear the skirt off. The guys are like <laughs> they that. Got, they got those long legs. <laughs> right. No, that's, you know, like that seems like the kind of thing that gets changed between the original version and the final version. Yeah, or yeah, it's just it's an they're like yeah, this this script isn't really reading well. We gotta we gotta pull in some, what if, something else. Brandon, so. I got an idea, Brandon. What if there's a planet where full of women, and when they get really stressed out, 
their bosoms just get huge. <laughs> and their shirts, they just can't contain them. That, it's a Western. Bragg is like, I like it. How does Mayweather get? Well, the boobs just hit Mayweather in the face. They knock him out. He's yes. taken out for the entire Knocked episode. out instantly. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the uh, the Archer to Paul storyline. Because I don't know why in my head Rick Berman is like uh, the producer from the 1920s and <laughs> You know, the three amigos. <laughs> Just chomping on a cigar. It's Brandon. Yeah. Brandon, the kids are loving it. Um, the Tapal and Archer thing. Brandon, get me a seven and nine type broad. <laughs> Put some ears on her. Give her a boy's haircut. Everyone will love it. <laughs> Tapal and Archer, I think, is maybe my only uh, way to stress my point about what Goodman was doing with the entire script, which is that it's it's trying to be funny, but he's really hampered by what Star Trek can do as a funny type story. So mm. what I like about the Archer and T'Pol thing is that I think it actually cleverly works for Bakula as captain of the ship because he's not a good badass. So when he comes in and he's playing badass, you as an audience member go, oh, he's definitely lying. Like there's no, right. there's no way right. that he can actually play this effectively. And then when, they, when the reveal comes that he's just doing it to game this guy, I kind of feel it's a, an appropriately Archer tactic, I feel, mm-hmm. in some ways. Like this isn't an established Federation Picard diplomat who's going to be like, well, listen, Mr. Uh, wrinkly Face, like we need to sure, get you to where sure. you need to go. Archer's got a little bit of a um, early human playfulness in him still, and he's willing to do it. The thing that doesn't make sense is I don't understand how he convinced DePaul to do this because it doesn't seem right. like a DePaul yeah. thing to do. <laughs> you would think uh, that conversation goes something like this. DePaul, uh, we'd like to fool this guy into thinking we're going to execute him. And she goes, isn't that lying? Aren't <laughs> they, that doesn't seem logical to me. It's like, ah, damn it. I didn't count on you saying that. <laughs> I, I'm wish aware Trip, of, I wish Trip was here. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of I'm aware of your people as a concept and a character in this universe we exist in. I forgot that uh, you kind of have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. That that's the that's the strange. Like, part I would of it. I would love to have seen the scene where he convinces her to do it. Yeah, that's a good scene. That's you know? missing. Yeah. Yeah, the way it plays now, it's like this is just their routine that they do every time they have someone come on the ship. Yeah, I think but, the you know, show thinks it would ruin the joke is the problem. But I, I think the audience sure, knows the sure. joke the entire way. So I don't think there's anything to be lost by playing that that role up uh, between the two of them and having Archer. I just I think it works for Archer. Because mm-hmm. Bacula, the way that Bacula plays Archer, I'm never going to buy him as a gravitas guy who's like, I'm going to deliver the speech that's going to bring the like you know all these planets in line and make us join the Federation. He's kind of a um, happy-go-lucky, willing to joke around um, goofball in a lot of ways. And yeah. I, I think that this this plot works for him. Uh, and I, I kind of like the actor of the alien. I think the actor who plays that alien does a pretty good job of being yes, that kind of a character, yeah. Yeah, he does. He's he's a, he's a pretty good actor. Um, and I was going to say also with that joke, I think using to Paul blows the joke because shouldn't you use someone who's less imposing? Yeah, like he's talking them up as like you know we have this crew member from this race of people who are really hard asses, and uh, I honestly she's they've already killed four people on my <laughs> ship. I don't know if you're going to make this make it out of this alive. And then the door opens and it's like Reed with like a stupid oversized <laughs> robe on or something or like flocks. It's Reed on Mayweather's shoulders with a trench coat. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah, or yeah, flocks or something. Someone who's like, it, that's because that's the joke, right? Yeah. That's, that's how the jokes work. And 
the I think this episode what you're what you're describing is it's like it's like when you tell a joke to somebody and then the person that person then tells it to a third person but the second person telling the joke doesn't get what's funny about the joke right like if that if that doesn't come across but you're saying the same stuff it's not going to come across as funny and i yep. think that's what the problem is it's like if if this was a you know gutbuster laugh riot uh, script in its original version it just got and it just got squeezed out through i guess maybe brandon braga isn't very funny person mm-hmm. i don't know no i don't i don't think it he is. just like didn't get it and then on top of that give it to a director who doesn't really get it and doesn't get what they're going for and then the cast who are not really comedy actors right on a comedy show so you got to tell them that that's what they're doing yep with a good um, portion of the comedy coming to a non-actress really at this point you know like, right that's yeah. all it's all it's um i think bacula was probably smart enough to get get yeah. it like i think those guys got it but I don't think I don't necessarily know if the if the director and stuff really understood it. I, I think Bacula if, if clearly understands it in his performance. I, I don't think he's a particularly comedic actor, unfortunately. Like he's I think mm-hmm. he's solid, but he I don't I appreciate his effort here and I don't think that he's unfunny, but I, I think that he is he's really just built as an actor who plays a every kind of a bland everyman. Like that's that's really what he is, and some of his most successful roles have been that. Um mm-hmm. Someone, someone made the the point about Quantum Leap is that he is, he's the bland character who becomes the other characters, sort of. Right. Which is, yeah. you know, it's like there's something uh, about that. But um, yeah, I would have, I would have liked to have seen that. It's just the, I I was just reminded of it's the uh, your your story about how the comedy gets watered down or it's it's viewed for a prism that someone doesn't really understand what's funny about it. It's the um. It's the script writing version of the aristocrats joke, right? Which is right. that everyone yes. knows what the joke is. But what makes great comedians good at telling that joke is that they can tell the entire story and make you laugh because even though you know what the punchline is going to be, there's something inherently funny about the the good people who tell that story tell that joke very funny and they make you laugh. Right. Right. Um right. that 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 movie still has uh, my favorite visual gag ever where uh, they're talking to Bob Saget and he, and he says, yeah, I had this huge thing. It was about this long. <laughs> Just about that long. And it's the only uh, only people who watch the YouTube will have seen me butcher that joke. Gilbert Gottfried has the best version of that joke in that in that uh, documentary, if, if my memory serves me right. Uh, but that's what that's what the that's what. Uh, particularly Star Trek, I think, struggles with comedy is because a lot of the directors, actors, and writers aren't particularly funny. So by the time it's through the five levels of production necessary to give you an episode, it's been watered down to a point where you no longer care. Not to say that this script is good. I think Goodman himself said that he doesn't like the script that eventually mm-hmm. became the thing. So is what it is. Um, I'd be curious to see what his original version was like if yeah. if, if that's what happened, if it just got wrung, wrung out of all of its... Uh interesting stuff yeah i think i was reading he said he had there were two versions and he didn't like either of them so i think it was just him struggling to to figure it out he didn't get fired so they obviously like something about it but i'm, I'm not sure flocks doesn't appear in the episode that's a little bit of factoid there i don't think i have anything i else. just go ahead i no. it's just i find it so strange that it it's played so straight you know you would think if you at the very least if you took that concept and said okay what if we run this concept through a star trek filter it's going to be 
different and kind of interesting in some respects. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You would, you would hope. I don't know. Well, I'm just trying to, <clears throat> if you wanted to take that concept to make it Star Trekky, I think it does, I don't know, like I'm, because I, I do feel that, I do feel that the concept is there. It's just this execution. Like I, I think it's Trip is the wrong person to send her off with. Um, and I don't think back will work. I think Reed is really the one that she's supposed to get stuck with. Um because I, I do feel that they act like... I think start- it needs to be... A, if if it's going to be Reed, it's got to be a different actress. Yeah. Well, I I would say yeah. that almost for everybody. Uh, like, yeah. Padma's <laughs> just not the one who's, who's really cutting it. I, I just... um I don't know. Do you have any ideas of how you would make it more Star Trek-y? Cause to- well, like I, like I was saying, have her be more alien. Just more alien, um, yeah. Yeah, or just... Or, or again, just use use the the the... the, the universe you're in to put a twist on this uh this concept in in any which way um i don't know there's a million ways you could do it uh in a in a in a sci-fi setting i'm, or, I'm trying to think how it, it how it how it works for enterprise would because why why i think they chose trip to do this besides the sort of like sex appeal of these two young uh relatively attractive on his side and extremely attractive on her side people hooking up on the camera is that they, I think they're trying to get that enterprise good old boy charm paired off against this uptight monarch character, sure. right? So sure. I, I can kind of see that as the enterprise take on this, where Picard or TNG or DS Nine wouldn't have that character or that kind of interaction but, with a person. But that's that's not that's how this is played literally every time they do it. Yes. It's not enterprise specific, right? So I, I I don't know if there's a way to bump up the enterpriseiness of it. Uh, other than what they've done, it might just be a flawed concept from the very start, which I think is what we're kind of leaning into. Used to Paul, to Paul and the princess. Yeah, why that, not? That, that, <laughs> that actually wouldn't be bad. Brandon, I got a great idea. We'll put put both broads in the small, tight <laughs> capsule, womb like environment. <laughs> well, it's I think and it's, it's so hot in there. He's like, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, remember that episode. Where Scott rubbed his face into Paul's tits. How about we have Trip rub his face in her ass while they're sitting in the pod? Because they they do that thing here too, where he's like, "I have to check the uh, the the temp- mm-hmm. the sensor temperature or something." In but the, don't the forget, pod is so small. don't forget, this is UPN. So after they kiss, <laughs> we do a we do a dissolve, and they're in their underwear. They're just hugging. We can't, we can't ha- we can't imply anything else has happened. They wanted to get dressed after doing the nasty, but not that dressed. You know what I mean? The on t- her on her tired. planet, you strip down to your skivvies and you just hug from behind. <laughs> it is a very uh, a very loving embrace in the in the mud. I, I I am going to never watch an interview with Rick Berman just so I can assume <laughs> this is what he sounds like. <laughs> it, just, you know, the modern documentary take is just, you know, Brandon Braga gets a phone call, he picks it up, and then the the it's sli- very Quentin Tarantino it just slides over and it's Berman on the toilet talking about it. Say, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, that's some inspiration. All right, I think we're done talking about precious cargo. Um, I don't have anything else to say about. It. We'll take a break. We'll read some patient thoughts. Maybe that'll spark something. We'll give our final thoughts about this one. It's called Precious Cargo. What are you waiting for? I'm not your servant. You're the one who was raised in a primitive environment. You find the wood. What's that supposed to mean? 
You're obviously better suited to physical labor. In case you haven't noticed, we're not in a palace. You said it yourself. You won't survive without my help. So it seems to me that I'm the one in charge, the king of the swamp. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash file. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts, extra Rick Berman impressions, and all that good stuff. And as always, we have a special thank you to our $10 Captain Tier supporters, Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matthew Ross, Rune Benler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlog, Ben uh, Grim Santo, Point Extra G, Dwayne Hackett, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Race, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Moss, AJ28, Mad Curry6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Siba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santon, Corey Martin, Merlin Scheisser, Timothy Cooley, Zane Majors. <sighs> Thank you very much for supporting the show. You are our I, precious cargo. <laughs> we will not open. I, uh, I think I think uh, Brandon um, Rick Berman might be related to Brandon Brandanowitz, the brand manager who shows up <laughs> infrequently on the Badass Podcast. <laughs> podcast. It's a long history of working in showbiz and uh, mm. in production. Let's go to patron thoughts. I suppose there's only seven. Which I'm surprised by because this is a episode that I would have thought would have inspired Brandon, more. But we gotta do the thing. We gotta do the thing when she tears the skirt. It's my favorite part. Every time they do this story, <laughs> it's my favorite part. We gotta do it. There's a real exotic broad in there. Show her legs. It's good. It's a tight it's a small pod. Did I mention it's a small pod, Brandon? <laughs> it's so small. And she sits on his she sits on his hand. Oh my god. <laughs> do you think they played up the um I I felt there was a lot more to do. I, it felt weird to me. It felt like the script almost would have focused on the smallness of the pod more than the direction actually did towards the end of it. Like they, they do it by just everything is a single shot of the two of their heads stuck together to mm-hmm. show you that it's a tight spot and she sits on his hand and he, he's trying to fiddle with something and he has to stick his head up her ass or whatever. But like there's no... I, I felt like there's more comedy in there too that you could really distill because mm. I, I don't no, know. sure. I don't know. Yeah, no, this this episode is the... Star Trek equivalent of a comedian bombing on stage. Yeah, is what this is. Yeah, just just trying trying to come back and it's just not working. Uh, Matt Ross says this is just a terrible retelling of the 1974 film swept away, minus the nudity and political discussion. Why does Archer volunteer Trip to fix every damn alien ship they run into? How about a security detail with the repair crew? Hasn't Archer learned anything? Oh, and the woman being important and pretty and a bitch, Ilan of Troy style, of course. In real life, she's a celebrity chef. One pair of nice long legs out of five. Six? I was I was also thinking, uh, the, for some reason, what stood out to me earlier in the episode when, when Archer's uh, trying to convince them to stay on and they'll just warp five their way over to the planet or whatever, he says, you can dock in our something thing. I didn't understand I went, what he planned to do with the ship. Yeah, because at first, <laughs> at first, I was uh, to be honest, I was watching the beginning of it last night and I was like half asleep. Um so I couldn't remember what the ship looked like. So I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's small enough that they could dock it shuttle inside. Pod. Yeah, like it's some yeah, kind of shuttle. shuttle yeah. But then I, I was watching it again today, and I saw the ship, and I was, I was like, if you go, you can go to warp with like an entire another ship attached to you, like <laughs> Nightcrawler? <laughs> I have no idea what he was talking about. He specifically says you can dock in our shuttle bay, and the thing is huge. Yeah. And I was, I was like, does he, is he saying he'll bring them on the Enterprise to that planet and then go back and pick up the other ship or something? It's I like it think, makes no sense. I think the way it sounded to me was that they were going to attach each other and then 
they were going to like tugboat them. Yeah, warp tractor, five. tractor beam, essentially an early tractor. Beam. Yeah. They don't have the tractor beam yet, but there would be that idea. Which I'm pretty sure you can't do. I don't think they can do that at warp, no. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. It's another, you know, it's the other intentional runner. They they clearly want Archer to be overly helpful, which I, I also like as a trait of Archer that he's like he's he's the the new kid on the block who wants to make friends. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, you want to borrow my video games? You want to do any of this stuff? And well, they, he has he has intentions here because they they're going to a planet that uh, uh, the humans haven't been to, yep. right? Because yep. he said think about making first contact with these guys, know the planet and stuff like that. So yes. he's, he's not doing it entirely out of the goodness of his heart, but no. And we haven't really talked about it. Like, do you, uh, it's very small. We don't have to talk about it a lot. Does the, uh, does the actions of the smugglers make sense here to you? Did they, uh, to me, they make sense if they, the way that they treat enterprise and the way that they treat Archer, which is the captain's like, Hey, uh, can you make me some scrambled eggs? I'll hang out and have some scrambled eggs with you. Only makes sense if they actually have not kidnapped her and that they're delivering her as a job. But if they well, if they've kidnapped her, why are they spending so much time with the Enterprise where it could be revealed that this right. is what has happened to them? Well, I was very confused as to whether or not both alien guys were in on it because the way that they play it after the the one guy fucks off is that the guy who got left behind is legitimately getting left behind and doesn't know what's going on. But he's not the captain who wanted to stay for the food, I don't think. I think that's the other character. Well, either way, the the guy who gets left behind does not, to me, seem like he knows what's going on. Right. Which which then made the interrogation scene that much weirder to me because, like, I never got the the feeling like this guy was just being purposely... uh, Hard. uh, Yeah, he's he's not going to betray his fellow smugglers. Yeah, he's... He's like, I don't know. He left me behind. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything about what's happening. And then, like, to take that character and and threaten to execute him, it's and it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I and at by the end, I still wasn't sure because they get the information out of him on how to track them. But yeah, does he give up? I don't the, know. He gives I, up the warp, uh, the warp signature or whatever. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I never, I never got the feeling that this guy was was not being honest i guess that's true now that you've sparked my so i guess as long as they get that warp signature from him i guess that's enough and i i agree with you that he doesn't he i don't think he knew what was going on on the ship i don't get that impression he doesn't play it that way anyway he plays it as kind of like the buffoon who was just along for the ride which is then also weird because you would think he'd be like yeah i'll give it to you yeah i, I, I want to find go. out what's going on as much yeah. as you do you yeah. don't have to you don't have to threaten to kill me <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be funnier um, <laughs> Thomas Darnell says to Paul. To Paul, this is gonna be so fucking funny. <laughs> just could you just do this? Just do this one thing for me, please. Just one thing. Could you go get your robes? Get your very very fancy robes. Thomas Darnell Why, says. What do you mean? No, Mayweather can't do this. Maybe he just blew his knee out. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> Precious cargo. Okay, one thing that was cool was that her planet was in Klingon Empire. Was in the Klingon Empire in TNG, which for all their talk is about the only evidence we've ever seen that they conquer anybody. I remember the race because it was a TNG novel depicting them very differently than her. So you take that, add a dash of isolated man and woman equals romance, and a dollop of space is chock full of planets everywhere, and then just let Trip make the dumbest decisions. I could almost give this a three, but the hokey trial bluff cringes it down to a two. It's an interesting take. You know, uh, he brought uh, brought up something that I, I keep meaning to find a way to talk about, because I think when we were talking about Picard, we were talking about the Romulan Empire, 
and saying empire implies that they've conquered more than their own planet mm-hmm. and i was thinking about the klingons and i was like there's no ev- there's never been ev- any evidence that the klingons exist outside of chronos no and uh it just always struck me as interesting where it's like yeah i mean i guess it's i guess if if you were an alien and came to earth you would you'd still call it the british empire even though it's just, just they're stuck on earth yeah this the the scale so we're, we're just to assume that they call themselves empires because they've they've captured a significant amount of territory on their home planet i guess become the dominant. Yeah. yeah i mean i don't know maybe i don't know if the romulans actually have conquered other planets or not i'm not sure no they, they must have in this i think the klingons have been there have been plots before where uh the, they deal with a planet that was like captured by the klingons or something but you never you you'd think, think you'd run into they, a whole bunch of subjugated people by the klingons storylines right. yeah Plus, you'd think they'd want to get off that planet as quickly as possible. There's a bomb in the center. That's right. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Latte Librarian says, The faux trill princess ripped her dress to get into the escape pod, but then went oh, into the escape pod. my favorite part, Brennan. <laughs> then- <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> then went into the escape pod in a way that didn't require to her to have ripped her dress. I guess the viewers <laughs> needed that shot of her life. Yes. This episode yes, also point. includes the most unconvincing escalation of argument to mud wrestling to kissing I've ever seen. I would have much preferred a Star Trek take on Top Chef. Two stays out of five. I I just repictured that scene where yeah she like can't can't pick her legs up so then she very awkwardly rips her skirt and then even more awkwardly just ass first first yeah. is her way into the thing. <laughs> that was I mean, and Trip uh, shrugs at the camera at that point like there that's the the comedy of the episode i think is supposed to be in those details and it's just really smothered in a way that doesn't make any sense what if he turns and goes huh women <laughs> can't live with them can't live without them nick the rat says archer put on his bad cop pants and then his good cop pants who knew one person could be both cops uh Ketama is pretty hot but not as hot as trip who we this episode is like softcore porn with the butt hatches, tight quarters, and small joysticks. When they implied to Paul killed 20 people on the crew, I laughed. And when to Paul played along, I laughed even more. The best part of this episode was probably the hot ship on ship docking. Two out of five. And Point Extra G says, What do you get when you take Teen G's the perfect mate but strip it of everything good? The story just doesn't work. The story is bland. And Trip and the first monarch have no chemistry. Every scene with the two of them is just painful. I know that Padma Lash... Lakshmi, I have a hard time with her name, Lakshmi, is well-known now, but here she possesses all the acting ability of a turnip. On a side note, how did Archer get to Paul to play along with his tribunal charade? Is a quick one. We're going to have a tribunal. What does that mean? Doesn't that require, like, I just assume it means three people. You need a judge in there? Or yeah, you need something I guess. Else? Kyle Bear says, undoubtedly a terrible episode, Precious Cargo is, but not quite as bad as some make out. Despite Trip and the Princess trying and failing for a Han-Leia dynamic, it's not even on the level of Lone Star and Princess Vespa. There's something very watchable about them in a car crash kind of a way. Although, I was distracted by the real-world riddle of how and why Padma Lakshmi, Lakshmi met and married Salman Rushdie while he was locked away under police protection with a fatwa on his head. Truly one of life's great mysteries. It's also a big missed opportunity to not have Archer be serious about having to host the ship's first tribunal and create Starfleet law on the fly, but no, it's just a lame joke. 1.5 out of 5. Huh. Interesting. So would tribu- you, yeah, would, would you have wanted to see the tribunal be played seriously? Archer needs to uh, settle the West and bring law to places where there is no law and he doesn't know what to do. 
Yeah, I don't know. This isn't the episode to do that. <laughs> it's think. it's not because he needs he needs the information is the key point of this. So the charade makes yeah. a little bit of sense. I would like to see a tribunal episode where he. This isn't the the opening scene from Deadwood, <laughs> where he has to. <laughs> you called in the law. The you one. don't get to call him off because you. Yeah, <laughs> he's not he's not pulling the guy down to break his neck. <laughs> they should do um, a um, Enterprise episode where uh, there's a like a serious murder. Or a serious crime. Sure. All murder is serious, yeah. I suppose, but a serious crime committed between crew members on the ship, and Archer has to play tribunal master for it. That's kind of a, a fun idea about that plays into the idea that they are totally out there alone, and yeah. maybe this guy's important, the guy who did the crime, and it's like, do, can we, do we have to lock him up? Like, we kind of need him. What are we supposed well, to do? Well, you know, it's funny. Well, first of all, I, I, I just looked it up. I, tribune, the try in tribunal does not mean three. Uh, oh, apparently, it's... <laughs> No, it's just a court of justice. It's or just where you try to get some justice, yeah. Yeah, or the actual seat or bench for a judge to sit on. Okay. Um, I I was just thinking as we were saying this, have they done an episode where there's like a, uh, you, you've committed a crime on a planet, but now since you're back on the Enterprise, it's like, well, we can just leave, you know, like that sort of disconnect thing. Yeah. Have they, I, I feel like they've they've done that kind of but they always play it for laughs there's never been i don't feel like there's been an episode where someone goes down does something very bad by accident or whatever and now you have to determine okay well do we let the 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 law of this planet that we broke govern our guy or do we take the guy and leave it's everyone's uh it has been done uh, the one example that pops to mind is everyone's favorite tng first season episode justice where Wesley Crusher crushes some flowers on a planet, and sure. he does it in a random punishment zone, which is that the planet is a completely peaceful area, except for they have this roving uh, area. <laughs> they, purge, is, they have a purge area? They have a purge area where if you do something wrong in it, you be, get, you're killed, yeah. no matter what you've, you've done. So You get kicked in the butt with a giant boot. <laughs> so Picard has to uh, decide whether or not he does the Starfleet thing and let the justice of this planet have its way, or if he has to rescue Wesley Crusher. So Right, but they... <clears throat> excuse me they haven't done that on enterprise and i feel like that's a not interesting, on enterprise now yeah i think that's an interesting thing that they could mine seeing as that is unworn territory for these guys how do you re how do you react to that yeah and the I, only I, times that they've done it it seems like it's been a it's been a joke on you sorry i miss i misunderstood on enterprise it's been a joke yes yes it, yeah. not i thought you were talking about the series as a whole no but i i do think there's a because the the enterprise story there is that a serious crime happens and archer does not allow that planet's justice to take place. Like he he rescues them because they, they haven't really established this um respect for planets between things yet. So there's no mm-hmm. Archer would see his people as more important than the sanctity of of like diplomatic relations between the planets in the way that TNG does. I think that's the story in Enterprise. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's I don't know. There's there's room, Enterprise. There's room for these things, I suppose. Uh last comment, Benjamin Espinoza says I love Padme, which I assume is a typo, but I, it's good to know that he likes Padme as well. He loves Padma, but Tough Jeff is definitely her lane. This run of Enterprise is so bad that it's getting to be a chore keeping up with the episodes. Was the mandate from the studios to make the series more adult? If so, the writers could probably have used a female on the writing staff to figure out how humans actually work. Bonus, we get Trip in his blue undies again. One phaser to the head out of five. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts about this episode. Precious They're actually, Harvey. I mean, Padme also has a very... Uh awkward clothes tearing moment mm-hmm. in uh in star wars so it works either way yeah it's all the same 
just we're just borrowing from each other. Everyone's got to make mm-hmm. a little bit of money. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts about this uh, the episode. Brandon, I just saw Attack of the Clones, and there's this great <laughs> part at the end where the the chick with the hair, just the middle of her shirt, just gets totally ripped off. Is there anything we could do with that? <laughs> And this this great line about sand. I totally related to it. <laughs> We're done with precious cargo. Final thoughts. What do you want to give this one? Um, you know, I don't think I can give it a one because I think it falls into that trap where it's like, yeah, it sucks, and I don't think I'd ever want to watch it again. <laughs> but like, it's still fairly competently made. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a two. I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it ever deserves. Um, <clears throat> to, I, it's in, in a vacuum. If I showed you this and those three other episodes, I'd be I'd be kind of surprised if anyone I blindly showed those two when Precious Cargo was the worst episode out of those three because the other ones are just really bad. Uh, this one, it's th- this one to me is clearly execution. In a way, mm. like it's not fundamentally broken. It's kind of boring, but all the episodes of Enterprise in this season have kind of been boring. Uh, it's just the acting. It's it's her acting really torpedoes things and makes it whatever they were trying to do impossible. So I'll give it a two. It's a decent, semi-decent episode that has a real, couple of real problems that hold it back, but it's not uh, abysmal. Yeah, I think it's um, it's not good. It's not good. But it's it's not... I, I think we've we've kind of drawn this line before where it's like there are bad episodes and then there are episodes that are just so unremarkable they're just forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those where it's like you know, I'm not if I'm if I'm if I'm getting in a uh 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 let's make fun of Star Trek fest with some friends and people are be like, Oh, what about Angel One? What about blah blah blah? I don't think I'm pulling out uh Precious Cargo Precious Cargo. Yeah. 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 Maybe I would. Depends <laughs> if, if I if I. It depends who I'm with. Maybe if I wanted to impress people, I'd pull out a, a it's deep a, cut. It's a dark horse. Two hundred episode. <laughs> You're like, oh shit! He just precious like, cargo. Damn! I, I never, I never watched Enterprise at all. This guy's quoting uh, a mid second season episode. Of Sandman. <laughs> That's a real fan. Yeah, um, it's it's a two for me. Um, well, probably when this podcast is over, just have to come up with a thesis about what makes it tr- a, a truly terrible episode of Star Trek. Like I was, um, I did have this thought, and we can just go out with this. I, I find that the um, when we do this show, or when I'm just thinking about or looking at the episode lists for upcoming stuff, um, the consensus about the good ones is mm-hmm. more reliable than the consensus <laughs> about the bad episodes. Mm. Would you kind of agree with that? Like when people when people say a great episode is coming up, it's generally true. Like you, you yes. generally go like that's yes. a, that's a good episode. When a bad episode comes up, I find it's very personal about what people mm. consider to be a bad episode, which is just Definitely. which is funny yeah. from why a good episode is a good episode, which seems more universal. And I don't really know why that's the case, but it's interesting. And I um, whenever we cover these, like oh, this is going to be a legendarily bad episode, I frequently come back and go. I, 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 I was more impressed by the episode that no one left a comment about. Like, you know, right, it's like, right. it's like, what the hell was that episode? And that was terrible. Yeah. You know what would be fun? Uh, maybe as a Patreon thing, let's pick an, an, a one episode from each series. Watch three, watch all three of them and then see if we can parse out 
what makes them bad episodes like U- universally saying. bad or just bad for each uh series because yeah a, universally bad because yeah. it's like well what's what makes a bad star trek episode well you know, let's watch four of them one from each series we've covered and see what see what we can find out right <laughs> no it, it would be a good idea it's something to do we can have the patrons vote so we can get a audience idea of what they consider to be bad episodes too Ooh, oh, we could have like a March Madness bracket uh, the- <laughs> where we've got like all of our ones and then, you know, people can vote and see what the, what the, the worst the winner would be of all time that is. Would be the yeah. best, that would be the best way to, to go about it. Um, we're done. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to support the show. Please do. If you have any interest in supporting the show, if you do so before Halloween, you're going to get extremely exclusive access to us covering The Platform, which is a Netflix sci-fi horror movie. And Genesis, we'll be recovering Genesis, the TNG seven season episode, which is a body horror episode and uh, an underrated, underrated episode, in my opinion. Uh, that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, this week we've got new badass coming out. Uh, can't remember what the episode is off the top, off top of my head. But uh, next week we've got a new Rotten Horror Picture Show, which is Fright Night. Fright Night. It's our Halloween episode. Um, and I think the night before we do it, we're going to do a uh, patron watch-along chat thing, uh, assuming it's still on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Hopefully it will be. Amazon was good. When I, when I did Amazon for the Star Trek commentary, that's a, it's, a, it's a good group watch function. We were using that other thing before, which is not quite as good, but the, the Amazon yeah. works well. Yeah, I I haven't used Amazon yet. I'm I'm curious to to see how it works. You said it worked pretty well, so yeah. I'm Everyone needs to have good. a a Prime membership to join. That's obviously the difference because mm. you're just independently streaming the show to yourself. Right, right, uh, right. But yeah. that it was better than the the other thing. I just I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah. So if you want to chat with me and Amanda, and I don't know if Wes is going to be able to show up. Yeah, maybe I can stop to I you, can stop by. It's fashionably late. Wes blows in. <laughs> eating an apple like jerry dandridge i'll change the channel um, to star trek <laughs> so i'm yeah. gonna stream this movie instead <laughs> yeah uh if but yeah that'll be open to patrons and we'll send out the information for that uh probably early next week cool guys thank you very much for listening thank you for <clears> supporting <throat> the show let us know what you thought if you didn't leave your comments as a patron let us know what you thought about precious cargo and leave a comment about what you think makes a bad episode of star trek because it is something that's it's an interesting realization to me how don't the bad ones are don't just say wesley crusher because come on let's it's obvious we get we get it you're cool you know come <laughs> use let's be cooler and start pulling out the deep cuts on enterprise like i do we're done thank you very much we'll be back with the next episode which is what is uh the, there's no real reason that i do this but i do it out of habit precious cargo the catwalk babe don't you know what i mean on the catwalk it's not- we just had last week's episode of Badass was called Catwalk. Oh, yeah. That's right. Does this one also feature Catwoman and a talking puppet? Uh, no, and it's not even written by the Reeve Stevenses who wrote all those. That would have been a, oh, a, a terrific little twist, but no, it's Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back with the Catwalk. See you later. <laughs>